don't know about you, but I'm personally ready for summer. Um, I, lo- I love summer. I used to not be that guy, but I love summer. For those of you that are um, northern transplants, how many of you were born um, up north somewhere? Up north, above, okay. Now, we get snow here about once every 10 years. It's a, and when I say snow, like four or more inches, and we all lose our minds. Um, in fact, for those of you that were around in 1988, we actually got a foot of snow, and it literally there were zombies and everything. It was it was horrible, but but I'm I'm older now, so I like for it to snow and just have a beautiful day of snow, and the next day I want it gone. That that's a, that's beautiful, but nothing nothing. I, I'm I need summer to be here because I need to be near some beach somewhere. All right. That's, that's my heart. I want to be near a body of water, whether it's a pool or a beach or the lake. Now, for, for those of you that enjoy being outside in the summer near a body of water, who am I talking to? Who am I talking? Okay. It's mostly everybody. Let's say you're enjoying your favorite beverage. We won't talk about the beverage. We'll just say, leave, leave it there. Your favorite beverage. I'm not judging. I'm just saying your favorite beverage, which probably isn't water. And, and, and you start enjoying your favorite beverage sometime around 10 or 11 that morning. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I got started way earlier. And that's fine. That's fine. But if you stick to that beverage, whether it be Coke or if you're communist Pepsi or, whether, um, or, or something else, and you, just, and you just drink that one beverage all day long and you drink no water at all, by about 2 o'clock you start getting this little headache. You know what I'm talking about? It's called a dehydration headache. And if you don't drink any water by 4 o'clock, you are like laid out. By 6 o'clock, that's when you begin to promise God that you'll never do this again. And then you, you're doing it again the next morning. But it's a de- In fact, I was talking to somebody that used to work um, like the, at the hospitals at the beach, and they said one of their number one things in the summer is they bring people in for dehydration because people don't drink enough water. And if you don't drink enough water when you're outside, you're going to get dehydrated. It happens. I don't know if you've ever been dehydrated. I've completely dehydrated before and had to go to the hospital. And people always say, God can use anything for good. Yeah, that sucked. I hadn't found anything good come out of that yet. But the, the fact is, it is we all get dehydrated at some point, or we've all been dehydrated, or we know somebody that got dehydrated. Well, that happens spiritually too. Like th- there are people in this room that currently you would describe yourself as being in a dry season. Or, or maybe you just got out of one. Or, I mean, maybe you're getting ready to go into one. I, I don't want to be that guy, but, but, but maybe it's getting ready to happen. But, but one of the things that happens in a dry season, if we're not careful, and I'm guilty of this as much as anybody in the room, is we can lose hope. We can lose joy. We can lose peace. And we think the dry season is just always going to be bad. But the, the, the dry season, it, just because it's a dry season, Let's not be deceived that God isn't the God of the dry seasons too because I want to show you today that God does some of his best work in the dry seasons. God does some of his most amazing work. God can actually do miracles that are mind-blowing in the dry season if we're open to it. Now, some of you are like, of course I'm open to it. Ah, maybe. Maybe we'll we'll see. Let me let me set it up this way. Um, the series is called Fire and Rain. It's based on First Kings eighteen, where Elijah goes on top of Mount Carmel and calls down fire from heaven. We'll get there eventually. It's going to take a few weeks. Today, I just need to set it up by talking about miracles in the dry season. We're going to go to First Kings chapter seventeen. 
and go line by line, verse by verse. So you got to listen quickly or we're not going to get through it. Everybody, we got to listen quick, okay? Here we go. Now, Elijah, who was from Tishbe, no idea where that is, in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, that's a jab, by the way, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, let me kind of set up what's going on in this text so we can, like, we can get to the story. Israel, at the time, had completely turned their back on God. And they had chosen, instead of worshiping God, to worship a God called Baal. Now, it's ironic that Baal is the God of rain. Anytime Baal, we see him depicted in ancient literature, he's depicted holding like a lightning bolt in his hand. So he is the God of rain. So God's picking a fight. Um, on purpose with the God of rain. And Israel, like I said, had completely turned its back on God, and they were worshiping Baal. I want to pause real quick because I've got some messages this week, and I just want to address this. Oh, my God, Pastor P, I'm so, I'm so worried. America has turned its back on God. No, we haven't. Some people have, but not all people have. The fact that we are gathered together this morning in an assembly of believers, and we still have freedom of worship... And there are people gathered together all over the United States today in, a, in something called the church. And not only are we gathered together in the U.S., but we're gathered together all over the world under trees in Africa, underground in China. The church is the church. And I don't care what happens in the government. Jesus said that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So I'm not worried about the condition. I'm not worried about the Listen, stop watching so much news because you're freaking everybody out. All right? That was free. Anyway, but Israel had completely turned its back on God. Completely. They were worshiping Baal. So Elijah goes up to King Ahab and says, listen, I serve God. You don't serve him. I serve him. And so, so what's going to happen is it's not going to rain unless I say it's going to rain. Now, do you think Ahab took him seriously? No. Because I wouldn't take a guy seriously. If he came up and said, hey, man, it's not going to rain unless I say so, I'd be like, okay. Like, I, I would, but don't miss this. Israel was an agricultural economy. If it doesn't rain, the crops don't, don't grow. If the crops don't grow, you can't produce food. If you can't produce food, you can't eat and you can't trade. In other words, God is telling Ahab, if you don't stop, I'm going to crash your economy. And how many of you know that when the economy crashes, God has our attention? That's, but nobody took him seriously. So, so Elijah's telling Ahab, dry season's coming. Dry season's coming. Now, here's the deal. If you've been around my teaching or been exposed to my teaching for a while, you know I tend to repeat myself. And it goes back to like, Repetition makes us remember things, right? Back in the 1970s, I remember a television commercial. This is back when we watched television commercials. Now when TV commercials come on, we all look at our phones. Um, but, but we used to watch TV commercials because we had no phones to look at, or we'd been looking at a rotary dial phone, and I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but there was a TV commercial, and it, it, it affects me even to this day because the other day I was at Publix, where shopping is a pleasure, and I was in the peanut butter aisle, and I came up on peanut butter. Now, I'm not trying to start a fight. I'm just, I don't care what kind of peanut butter you choose, but I get Jif. 
I get Jif peanut butter because when I, when I was in the 1970s, there was a TV commercial where two moms were standing in front of the peanut butter. One mom says, I don't know what peanut butter to get. And the other mother says, I know what peanut butter to get because choosy mothers, some of y'all old too, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> choosy mothers choose Jif. Now, I'm not a choosy mother, but I'm a choosy dog dad, and my dog gets peanut butter, and he gets Jif, and he likes it. Um, it when I was in the 1970s, there was a television commercial that said, have a Coke and a smile. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, you remember that. So, so things happen, and, and we hear repetition, and we remember. Now, when you get old, you tend to repeat yourself. When you get old, you tend to repeat yourself. But the good news is, at least I know I'm doing it right now. There may be a day coming where I don't know, but I know I'm repeating myself when I say this. And if you've heard my teaching, you've heard me say it, but I'm going to ask it again because it's always good to be reminded of certain things. And what I want to ask everybody in the room today and everybody watching online is this. Everyone, everybody has a next step. What's my next step? Everybody in this room. Now, if you're sitting there and you're going, Linda needs to hear this message. You missed it. This ain't for Linda. It might be for Karen, but it's not for Linda, all right? This is for you. And by the way, just, this is just a side warning, another message for another time. If when you saw that, you thought about somebody else, you need to be careful because those judgmental roots are getting deep in your heart. And those are the people that killed Jesus. Anyway, we'll move on. So anyway, that, that everybody's got a next step. What's your next step? Even in the dry season, God, God's word is not dry. He's still going to speak to us. Okay, so this is what we see. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by the Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook. Now, I want to pause real quick. How awesome is that? Because this is not a trick question. This is not a trick question. I'm going to set everybody up for success. If it's not going to rain for three years, then the most valued commodity in the entire land is going to be water. Yes. He needs water. He is desperate for water. So God said, hey. I know there's going to be a water shortage. Here's the deal. You need to, and then he gets specific. He didn't say, let go and let me. Just stand in the middle of the desert and pray. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to provide water, but you got to get to the place where I'm telling you to go. And notice how specific he gets. He said, go east. Go east? Yeah, yeah, go east. What do you want me to do? Hide. You want me to hide? Yeah, because they're going to come after you. Oh, yeah, great idea, God. I'm going to hide. Um, where do you want me to hide? By the Kareth Brook. Okay, okay. God's a pretty big, um, pretty big brook. Specifically, where do you want me to be near the brook? Um, I want you to be near where it enters the Jordan River. Got it. What do you want me to do when I get there? I want you to drink from the brook. Okay. You see how specific that is? You know God speaks that specifically today? It's not that God's not speaking. Many times it's that we're just not open to receiving what he wants to say. God wants us to know his will for our lives more than we want to know it sometimes. We will agree that God's good, but the thing is we think that God's kind of hiding his will from us, and then he's going to punish us if we don't do it. How in the world could we call that good? 
God, this is why connecting with God on a consistent basis is so important for us as individual followers of Christ because he has certain places that he wants to lead us to and he's going to lead us to a place and provide something for us that everybody else might be going without. Now this is where it gets crazy. Watch this. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. Because they were out of the playoffs, and so they had nothing to do. Bring what the um, ravens bring you, for I've commanded them to bring you food. Now, here's what's crazy. The ravens, the ravens were considered to be an unclean bird. Unclean. Let's say that word on three together. One, two, three. Now, it's very important because that theme's going to come up at least three times in this text. Unclean. So God's going to send an unclean bird to feed a lot. Now, if I'm Elijah, this is where I bargain with God a little bit. Because ravens are nasty. And I'm like, okay, um, I'm cool with the brook thing. It's amazing. But I like, could you, um, could you send like an eagle? Because those are beautiful. I mean, the eagle just swooping all down and bringing me some food. Or a parrot, because that could talk at least. It's real pretty and colorful. But you're going to send me this jacked-up raven? <laughs> Unclean bird. But God can use things some people call unclean to sustain us in our dry season. I was having a conversation with uh, a couple staff members between services a while ago. And we talking about the next facility, about things we're going to do. And uh, nobody had heard this. I looked at him. I said, I said, when we get down there, there will be a Sunday that we do Highway to Hell again. Don't, don't, look at me, don't look at me with those judgmental glances like the biggest problem you had was like straightening up your halo this morning before you got out of bed. <laughs> we, we'll do, we'll, we're going to do it. I hope you tell me when I do it. I'm the non-Christian song. First of all, Jesus did not die to save music. And second of all, I met somebody two weeks ago. This is so funny, two weeks ago. They said, and this was the conversation. You remember when you did Highway to Hell? I'm like, oh, God. First of all, I did not sing the song. It was my idea. You remember when you did Highway to Hell? I was like, how could I forget? It was, it was like 11 years ago, and I'm still catching hell for Highway to Hell. So, yes, I remember it. Thank you very much. Well, I just wanted to thank you for doing that song because I got saved. No, it gets better. I said, oh, you got saved out of the message? They're like, oh, no, I got saved in the song. <laughs> like, but the message was good. I don't even remember the message. <laughs> okay. All I'm saying is be careful what you call unclean. Just be careful. Because God will use it to sustain you in the dry season. Now, this is a good gig. In fact, this is what the Bible says. So Elijah did as the Lord told him. He just took his next step. If Elijah would have sit, just stood there and said, God, I'm going to trust you to provide. I'm going to trust you. Go here. No, I'm not going. I'm going to trust you. He would have died. But he trusted God, took his next step. So he did as the Lord told him and camped beside the Kareth Brook. That's where you're kind of out of God's will when you're camping. Um, because seriously, you're pretending to be homeless. Stop it. East of the Jordan, the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. This is a great setup. This is an awesome. 
Can we agree that when everybody else is dying, you got birds bringing you food and a brook? Is this not a great, this is a great day. Yes, God, thank you, Lord, until back in February of last year, back in February of last year, I was at Publix again. That's the only grocery store I go to because I memorized it. I know where everything is. If I go to Ingalls, I walk in circles for 30 minutes and I leave with nothing because I don't know what I'm doing. So I was walking, I, so I was at Publix and I bought a 12 pack of toilet paper, people. Check your heart. Where's your heart right now? Check your heart, dear God. No, it was on sale. It, I, really, this really happened. I bought a 12 pack of toilet paper because it was on sale. And I was like, oh my gosh, toilet paper. Yeah, why not? It's on sale. So I'm throwing stuff in my little buggy. It's not a car, it's a buggy. We're in the South. Thank you very much. So I'm in, I got in my buggy and I leave. And, and it, this was before COVID hit or Corona, or whatever we're calling it this week. I have no idea. But this is before things, and, and y'all know, y'all, like we crapped our pants because toilet paper was gone, right? Like toilet paper was just gone. It's like the toilet paper rapture happened, and, and none of us got called up. So next time I'm at Publix, I'm walking down the little aisle, and there's no toilet paper. But I was good. Got a 12-pack. I'm still using that stuff like Wheel of Fortune, baby. It'll be back in a few weeks, but next week I went and it wasn't there, but it's okay because I got like 11 rolls left. And then all of a sudden 11 went to 10, and 10 went to 9, and then I went to Taco Bell and 9 went to 6. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like everything was making a run for the border, you know what I'm saying? And then I got down to five, and then I got down to four, and I'm running out. What am I going to do? And oh, my gosh. And I'm trying to think. Oh, I can use a coffee filter. There's coffee filters. I'm down to two. I'm like, Chance, come here, buddy. I, I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But, but, but we know what it's like to run out, everybody in this room. You know what it's like to run out, and nobody likes running out. Nobody likes running out of anything. Can you imagine Elijah? Listen, he went to where God told him to go. He was doing what God told him to do. He gets home one morning. He's like, man, God, I'm so thankful for your love and your grace. And here comes those ravens. And here's some, um, you know, God, there's not, there's not as much water here as there was when I, when I got here. And, um, I didn't know if you knew this or not, but like your servant needs to drink. So I'm, I'm going to trust you, God, to provide some water. And he gets up next day and he's like, um, see what happened was I, I came here because you told me to come here. And, and now there's, I mean, I got enough for today, but that's it. And so God, I'm trusting you that tomorrow when I come here, there's going to be water. He gets up and he goes in and he's like, okay. He ran out. See, this, go, this flies, if you always do what God's called you to do, you'll always have what you need. But after a while, the brook dried up, and there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. He ran out. This this is for the person here today that you've ran out. You've ran out of hope. You've ran out of joy. You've ran out of peace. And and you're thinking, "How, how in the world did this happen to me? Because I got here. Because I thought I was listening to God, but all of a sudden, I'm out. Do you know that God sometimes will let us run out so we can understand that he is our source, not the brook? 
See, the brook was not the source of his life. God was the source of his life. God made the brook possible. And if he led you to it, he will lead you through it. So watch what happens next. This is crazy. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Personally, I would appreciate it a head up before I ran out of water. But sometimes, you know, we got to get a little desperate before we listen to God. Isn't that true? So Elijah's like, no water, no water. God's like, I got an idea. Yep, whatever, whatever you want. I'm open. So the Lord said to Elijah, go live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Okay, several problems here, several problems. Problem number one, Zarephath is an unclean village. It is a Gentile village. Some scholars say this is where Baal worship originated. God, you, you, God, why don't you send me to Jerusalem? I mean, they got some, they got like the temple in Jerusalem. You want me to go where? Zarephath, God, have you, God, I don't, are we supposed to hang out with those people? By the way, pause. If you've ever said that phrase, those people, you don't understand that you are in that category for somebody else. I'm so thankful that God wasn't scared of those people because I'm one of those people. Just thought. Anyway, go to Zarephath near the city. Now, you want me to go to an unclean place? This is me. I remember um, back in 2016 when I went to rehab. Some of y'all remember that. It was great. It was a wonderful time in my life. Not really. I used to teach this. I used to teach, if you're going to get any kind of treatment or counseling, you've got to go to a Christian counselor. Don't go to a non-Christian counselor. Some of y'all remember me saying that. Oh, I was so wrong. Because I was talking to my therapist, and he was like, you need to go to this place. And I was like, well, I looked it up on the Internet. They're not Christian. He was like, well, I know. That's why you need to go. I was like, well, I thought. And he said, he said Perry, if you go to a Christian rehab center... They're going to come at you with Bible verses. You're going to finish the verse and tell them the history of that particular book of the Bible. You're not going to listen. You need to go somewhere where you're not expecting anything they throw at you. I was like, okay. And he was right. They did some weird stuff. They were like, today we're going to do horse therapy. I'm like, what? Yeah, go out and put your hand on the horse. You feel like the horse is saying anything to you? (laughs) Nay. (laughs) Nice. No, they did. They got to me. They said, what do you think? I was like, this is weird as hell. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing with the horse. I have no idea what this is. We go back in. They're like, we're doing yoga. I'm like, not me. I said, your boy don't do yoga. They said, why? I was like, I, I, it just sounds weird. You need to do the downward dog. See, we can get arrested for that in Anderson. So I'm, I'm, not, doing, I'm not doing that. It's just awkward. So I went to a place that I used to tell people not to go to, and you know what? It was where God started to heal me. So so be real careful about saying, I'll never go there, because there might be the place that God has to take you through to get you to the place that he, where he needs to heal you. I just want to throw that. Go to Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. Okay, widows during this time period were typically poor. And so Elijah's like, um, didn't you mean to say I have instructed a rich person to take care of you? No, no, I'm instructed a widow. Okay, so, so he's 
I mean, he's out of options. He either stays by the brook and doesn't move and dies, or he goes. So, so we went. So we went. Isn't that cool? He just took his next step. Everybody's got a next step. What's your next step? So we went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked, so there, there she is. This is great, right? And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? As she was going to get it, he called out to her, bring me a bottle of bread too, just like a man. Ladies, your husband, like, hey, baby, would you give me something to drink? And you get up, hey, while you're up, will you fix me a grilled cheese? Like, that, that's what's going on. And this is how you know the Bible's true, because it's not lying about the character of a man. So, so he, he, he just said, can I have a little water and a little bread? Not a very big ask here. Just a little water, a little bread. That's all I want. A little water, a little bread. She overreacts. Occasionally. A woman may or may not slightly overreact. Don't say amen, I, but I felt it, dude. I felt it. All right, here we go. But she said, I swear by the Lord, your God. Don't, don't miss that. He's not my God. He's your God. You know what? She was worshiping Baal. This is a genuine card-carrying pagan. I swear by the Lord, your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And this is like a hand on the hip, shaking the finger by Felicia moment in the Bible. <laughs> swear by the Lord, your God, I ain't got no bread. <laughs> and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the cup. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Okay. Might be a bit over the top unless you're like a horrible cook. But, but can we all agree that this lady had lost hope? She's lost hope. But isn't it funny how God will take somebody that's been in a situation and bring them into the life of somebody else who's in the exact same situation? See, Elijah had just been in a place where God had provided, but then he ran out. And he brings Elijah to a woman in Zarephath who was about to run out. See, that experience that you went through, it might not have been fun, but it's not wasted because God's going to bring you into somebody's life who experienced the same thing you went through, and even though it was hell while you were going through it, you're going to be able to look at somebody in the eye and say, I've been where you are. I've gone through what you're going through. I know it's tough, but you're going to make it. That's what, and he did it for a woman who didn't even know him. How amazing is his grace? She's lost all hope. And notice Elijah's reaction. He doesn't freak out. He just says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you just said and make some bread. I mean, go ahead and all that stuff. Yeah, I understand. You, you've lost hope. He didn't lecture her theologically on God supplying an abundance of our needs. He just said, yeah, 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 that's, that's fine. Just do that. Um, but make a little bread for me first. This is his challenge to her. Put God first. Put God first. Now, don't miss this. 
even if you're not a Christian, you have a next step. She worshiped Baal. And here this man of God steps into her life with, hey, just a little bread and water. Not a big ask. That, like, for me, it was like, will you come to church? Will you go to Bible study? We, it, there, there, there were so many steps I took before I met Christ. Even if you're here or you're watching online and you're not a Christian, God has a next step for you. And the, and the step was, hey, you, I can almost hear this in the background, Elijah saying, you trusted Baal, how's that working out for you? About to die. Well, just a little bread, a little water, not big. Trust God first, because what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? You're going to die either way in your mind. So put God first. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. That's a jab. In other words, the Baal thing hadn't worked out for you. So this is what God says. There will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Don't miss this. God's going to send the rain again. It's coming. But until that happens, there will always be enough flour and olive oil left in, in your containers. In other words, you have the vessel for the miracle in your house if you'll just take your next step and put God first. You, you don't need anything else from any. You got the vessel for the miracle. You just got to decide. Are you going to be willing to, in this moment, put God first and trust him? <laughs> and the Bible says, so she did as Elijah said. She took her next step. That's all she did. She just took her next step. Okay, fine. She took her next step. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough, even in the dry season. There was always enough. We serve a God who's always got enough for us, even in the dry season. Don't you love that? God, this is so good. I'm going to watch the Facebook message at 5 and amen myself. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, by the way. There was, always, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised to Elijah. Now, if the story ended here, everything would be fine. But the story don't end here. It keeps going. Watch this. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. Now, how many of you know a man is a baby when he gets sick? I didn't expect y'all. You had to raise your hand. Ah, that was a little low. <laughs> I'm a baby. I admit it. I'm, I'm independent. I don't need anybody doing anything for me. But when I had COVID a few months ago, oh, my God. Pastor Pete, can we bring you food? Yes, you can bring me food. What can we do while you're here? Anything. Clean. Take care of chance. God, okay. Like, I, I'm, I'm a baby when I get sick. Are you okay? No. Why? Paper cut. I got a paper cut. Like, I'm a baby when I'm sick. And... Just, just how many of you have ever faked being sick so you didn't have to go to school? Or better yet, how many of you faked being sick so you didn't have to go to church? My mama had a deal. Oh, you're too sick to go to church. You're too sick to play outside. And God will heal me. <laughs> it was unreal. But I'm sure when he got sick that they were like, oh, man, he's sick and 
man, he's, okay, we'll pray for you. And, 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 then, and then he grew worse and worse and finally died. Well, that sucks. Here you got this great thing going, and they, hey, hey, how you, oh, 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 this is, this is going to be tough. We weren't expecting this. Something died. It was going along good, and something just tragic happened. And There's nobody in this room that hasn't experienced tragedy, but it's multiplied exponentially in the dry season. What do you do? What do you, what do, you do? Then she said to Elijah, O oh man of God, what have you done? Because it's always somebody else's fault, right? And I can't, I can't get mad at this lady because when things go wrong in my life, I, I lash out too. Oh, man of God, what have you done to me? He's like, what do you mean what I've done to you? I ain't done nothing to you. I wasn't slipping like poison in the bread and slipping it to your son. What have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? Don't we go there with God sometimes? Oh, this, this is because of what I did in high school, isn't it? And God's like, like you're, you're 62. <laughs> We're over that. Like, I, we, mm-mm. God, is this what I did when I was in my... No, it's, we're over that. But anytime something bad happens, we automatically think, God, this is because of what I did. This is God getting me back. This is God punishing me. And he don't work that way. I'm talking to the person here today that something has died in your life. That hope, that dream, that peace, you had it, but it died, and you're mad at God. I'm not here to rebuke you for being mad. I'm telling you, I get it. I get it. But it goes on to say, but Elijah replied, give me your son. Don't miss this. That's a significant step compared to the first step. The first step was... Give me, give me some bread and water. This step is give me your son. Do you think she had trust issues with Elijah at this point? Absolutely. But this is Elijah saying to her, and this is God saying to us, that thing that's dead in your life, give it to me. Give me that thing you thought had died. Give me that thing that you've already had a funeral for. Give it here. Just get, what are you going to do with it? Just, just trust me. Just, what you going to hold? You going to hold on to something dead? Or are you going to trust me with it? And then, then it gets, it just gets awkward. I'm just going to be honest with you, it gets awkward. And he took the child's body from her arms. Stop. According to the Old Testament, you weren't supposed to touch a dead body. Because a dead body was, oh, unclean. So here we got unclean birds unclean place, unclean woman, and he takes the dead body in his arms. I think this is God speaking to us in this passage going, I don't care how unclean you think you are. I'm not afraid to 
take you and everything unclean about you in my arms. We see it repeated over and over and over again in the passage. No matter how unclean we think we are, God's not scared of it. God's not scared because he's, he's paid for it. So, so, so he carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? Have you ever heard, don't question God? <laughs> Elijah didn't get the memo. Did, did you know it's okay to question God? Don't, don't. Don't start quoting the book of Job to me. Job was self-righteous and he was surrounded by idiots. Okay, I just finished reading the book. God did not rebuke Job for asking questions. God rebuked Job for asking questions based in self-righteousness. I think a better question, me personally, and I've, this is what I've learned, instead of God asking God why, when something happens that we don't understand, even tragic, the better question is, God, what are you up to? I mean, you led me to this place. I wouldn't even know these people if it wasn't for you. So God, what are you up to? You brought me here. Because don't, don't, don't miss this. God brought Elijah out of solitude and into relationship. You can always trust the relationships that God establishes in your life in the dry season. And in this relationship, things got tight and this kid dies and Elijah's straight up asking God. But then, but then something happens, something switches, and I don't know what switched, but something switched. And he stretched himself out over the child three times. Pause. Awkward. If I walk into a funeral home and somebody like lays out across the dead body and they get up and lay down again and get up and lay down again and they turn around and go, can I help you? I'm like, nope. No, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and I'm calling the cops because I just videoed the whole thing, right? And so I was wondering, why did he do this? And the only thing I could come up with is once again to show you that Jesus isn't scared of our messiness. He didn't just lay with us. He became one of us. God became man and dwelt among us. And then he does something crazy. Don't miss this. He prays for something that had never been done before. He said, oh, Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. A resurrection had never taken place in the scripture. Nobody had ever been brought from death to life. Elijah asked God for the impossible in the dry season. See, the dry season is an opportunity to see the impossible happen in our lives. It's not a wasted season. And so the Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he revived. That's pretty cool. So then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your child is alive. That's amazing. Don't miss this. 
she gave Elijah a dead son and got back an alive son. Did she get more back than she gave, yes or no? See, whenever God asks you for something, you're always going to get more back. The reason God's asking for that thing is because he wants to give you more in return. You give him what has died in you, and he'll make it come to life again. It just takes the willingness to surrender. So then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. Now, don't miss this because Elijah got something out of this. Elijah's getting ready to go to Mount Carmel. He's getting ready to have the biggest battle of his life. 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. Before you're getting ready to step into something this intense, what's one of the key things you're going to need spoken into your life? Encouragement. So not only did God meet the woman's need, but right before Elijah's getting ready to step into this battle, this lady goes, hey, man, you're the real deal. God's hand's on you. And what happened after that? We're going to get into this big time next week, but what happened after that? Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go present yourself to King Ahab. Elijah, took you to the brook. I took you to the widow. Now it's time to go back to Ahab. Elijah, this is your next step. Tell him that I will soon send rain. So Elijah so, so Elijah went. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. And later on in this passage, we're going to see fire fall from heaven and rain come on the land. But none of this happens unless Elijah takes his next step. Everyone has the next step. What's your next step? Everyone has the next step. Is it to ask for help? Is it to confess a sin? Is it to give something to, to Jesus that you've been holding on to for so long? Is it accepting Christ? I don't know. Here's what I know. Everyone has a next step. What's your next step? Because as we surrender those steps to Jesus, even in the dry season, he can take what is dead or what was dead Bring it back to life. Can we stand for prayer? Jesus, I just, I know that today, God, you spoke a word. You spoke a word into our lives. And Father, I pray for the person here today that's struggling with surrender. God, we, we struggle with it. It doesn't make sense. But God, that, God, that we would have a heart postured was surrendered surrendered enough God to just take the next step God that we would just literally declare that we are here and that we are yours and that next step you've called us to take God we're going to take it knowing God that you take you take a drought and a dry season and you turn it into something that's immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine God we're here and we're standing before you surrendered and postured so God speak to us right now
speak to our hearts and speak to our lives. Show us what that next step is. Here we are. Jesus, thank you so much that we saw in this story so clearly that death, death could not hold this young man. Death cannot hold us. So, Father, I pray for every single person here in this room watching online, Father, that you would fill us with the faith to surrender that next step to you. Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you need to surrender, just if God spoke to your heart, just tell him, God, I'll take that next step. I'll do what you've called me to do. I'll go where you've called me to go. I'll say, I'll make the phone call. I'll send the text. God, I'll confess the sin. Whatever it is, God, I will take that next step. And if you're here today and your next step is actually to receive Christ, I want to invite you right where you stand to ask Jesus to come into your life. Right where you're standing, right now, watching online or in the room, you can, if you want to receive Christ, you can just pray in your heart. Just pray right now. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Take over. Show me how to live. With head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor and hold your hand up in the air and just leave it up there for a second because I want to pray with you. I want to celebrate with you. Father, I thank you so much for these hands in the room. God, I thank you for the hands online. God, I thank you that they surrendered and they are followers of you. Jesus, I thank you for everybody here today. God, that we surrendered that next step. May we walk out of this room filled with hope. May we walk out of this room filled with peace. May we walk out of this room filled with joy. That even though it's a dry season, it's not a wasted season because we know that you're at work. And as you lead us, God, we will follow in complete surrender. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you're always at work doing things that are immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. And everyone that agreed with this prayer said, Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, I'm so glad you came. We'll see you back here next Sunday for part two of Fire and Rain. God bless.